Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. So, President LeBlanc has been focused on STEM since he came to the university two years ago. And so, with this most recent announcement of both enrollment reduction and also trying to switch the proportion of STEM students to a higher proportion, what was your initial reaction to that? Right, so we found out about this. It was um, the first inkling we had that these ideas were being considered was when uh, the president came and spoke to uh, the CCAS chairs in April, where he floated a number of ideas. And one of the, a couple of the things that he said was um, a desire to, uh, a possible desire to increase the number of STEM majors um, based on the idea that. Uh, high-profile research one universities have at least 30 percent STEM majors um, and GW's percentage is around 20 percent and then he also talked about reducing the number of undergraduates as a way of raising the profile and making GW effectively more selective Um, and so we heard these were ideas or observations he called that he made in um, last April Um, and then the he explained that these were major decisions that had to be made and they'd be made over the course of a strategic planning process that would begin uh, in the academic year 2019-20. And the next thing we knew, um, we read the announcement in GW today that the the board of trustees had met and they had decided to um, back President LeBlanc's two-pronged plan to increase the number of STEM majors and reduce the number of um, uh, students. Um, And that, you know, was deeply concerning to a lot of people, both because we felt like, wait a minute, we thought um, that this was going to be a decision that was going to be made over the course of a number of months anyway, um, and that there'd be faculty involvement in making these momentous decisions. Um, but then we, it turned out that we weren't involved in those decisions at all. So now they, these decisions have been made and now what a lot of faculty are concerned about is whether um, there's a plan, what the plan is for implementing these, these decisions. And there, everyone agrees that science STEM is absolutely critical. We all support it but we are concerned about how it's going to be implemented in the context of reduced resources. Um, And that's what's uh, most concerning. Good? Yeah. Okay, all right. And kind of going back to the idea that GW's communication in some way hasn't been what you wanted it to be, how have uh, you or any of your colleagues that you've spoken to tried to reach out to officials and, and communicate this, this level of worry, like, what is the plan? How, have you had those conversations? There has been, the chairs in CCAS have been very concerned and have actually uh, coordinated among themselves to meet with each other to talk about their concerns. We've also had very strong support from the um, interim dean, Paul Walbeck, who uh, invited the president to come and talk to the chairs, and we met a week two weeks ago now, um, where he came and spoke to the chairs and we had prepared questions and and asked him the questions and he answered the questions. So, um, and it was a very civil and, and actually very informative discussion. So that was good. There was no indication from that meeting 
that, again, that there were any real concrete plans to execute, to achieve the goals that he has set out. And his answer, if you ask him, is always, I have a, there's a strategic planning process that will be undertaken this year. And there are these four committees that he set up and those committees will make the decisions that will implement the, these, you know, the plan that will achieve these goals. And so when those committees do start meeting, do you feel like that is enough of an outlet for you to get across what your concerns are and what faculty are at large? I don't know. I mean, a lot of it, those committees are going to be big. Um, They're going to have representation from across the university. They're going to have faculty representation, administrative, the um, student representation on them. So they're going to be big and they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of competing interests in them. Um, I think the only way they can succeed is if they, they're, what they do is transparent and that they communicate what's going on in those committees with the whole faculty. Because if this becomes a kind of behind the curtain operation and then somewhere in February it's unveiled and everyone's like, what was that? And no one has any connection to it, any investment in it, and feels like they had no contribution to it, I think it's, it's, it's going to fail. For my final question, Mm -hmm. I just want to ask, these concerns have been brought up by faculty since President LeBlanc arrived and kind of said, you know, this is something that I'm thinking about. And with when the commencement speaker was chosen and Marsha McNutt was a very highly up in the sciences and that was kind of a surprise and for people. And I've heard from faculty like as, as early as like the second month that he was here that this was a message that they weren't necessarily comfortable with. Where do you think the disconnect? Where do you think the disconnect is? Where do you think President LeBlanc is not getting these messages? I think you know people are just very skeptical that that why should GW sort of even turn a little bit away from what it's really really good at to try to do something that traditionally has not been a strength to what to what you know, to what purpose? People have really interesting ideas about how you could make STEM fields, could build on some of the interests and the strength that GW already has, like talking about science policy and talking about ways that, you know, you can, that science, you know, science and philosophy, and there's all kinds of ways that you can bring science into fields that GW does well already and make STEM at GW something different from, say, STEM at Georgia Tech or STEM at Virginia Tech, right? And that might actually be really intriguing to students to study. And that's as, kind of what they were thinking with the public health school. I yeah. Think, it kind of has that aspect of uh, policy and science coming together. Exactly. And that would seem like a great way to say, yeah, we do science and we understand the value of science and science is incredibly important, but we want to do it in a GW way rather than saying, let's try to compete with, you know, Virginia Tech for their students, right? Because I don't, I don't see that happening. Nobody is interested in having some kind of war among faculty between like STEM faculty and humanities faculty or between the School of Engineering and the School of Liberal Arts. Nobody's interested in that kind of a, like, you know, battle going on. So um, we're interested in talking to people and making sure that you know, that GW goes forward in a positive way and doesn't, doesn't self-destruct. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Sure. 
I'm here with our Metro editor, Leah DeGroat, to talk about some neighborhood news. Recently, the Advisory Neighborhood Commission overspent their budget by about $3,000. So Leah's here to talk with us about just what happened. Yeah, so the Advisory Neighborhood Commission has to go through two uh, budget approval processes. So uh, during their September meeting, they went over the fiscal year 2019 budget and they found that they had spent about $3,000 more than they were expecting. to, to spend, I think they had budgeted about $4,000 um, to begin with for just kind of their community projects, and they ended up spending about $8,000. Um, and there was about $1,500 that they had um, that they were planning on spending on something else, but they um, were able to cover some of the community projects with that. So in total, they are about $3,000 over budget. Um, and that's just because they spent um, some money on legal representation for the Thurston Hall renovation um, negotiations that they had with the university, um, just kind of dealing with how to house students outside of the campus plan um, or in a modified version of the campus plan while Thurston Hall is being renovated. And um, in order to do that, they needed a a lawyer to help them with kind of some zoning laws and things like that. Um, Another big spend uh, for the year was the Washington Circle, um, kind of an analysis of um, the safety conditions in Washington Circle. And that led to the creation of a new traffic circle um, on 23rd Street, kind of by the hospital and by um, Burger Tap and Shake. Um, There's now a new uh, traffic circle there. Um, Another thing that was approved was uh, Commissioner James Harnett um, requested that the ANC do a study of the H Street corridor, so kind of looking at the safety conditions for pedestrians on H Street running through campus, um, and that was um, some money. So this is not like, you know, people like patting their pockets, like some big scandal, like it's actually community projects. Yeah, there were just several more community projects. uh, this year that they kind of needed to to look at um, so it's not it's not that big of a deal. How are they planning to fix this? Yeah so the ANC has about $60,000 in reserves um, that they have kind of uh, they kind of keep for a rainy day fund um, and they're gonna use some money from the reserves to spend on the um, expenditures for this year that they were not that they hadn't planned on in the budget when so in other uh, neighborhood news, there were there are several people that are running against Ward 2 council member Jack Evans, who has kind of been plagued with scandal over the past couple of months. And one of them is ANC Commissioner Patrick Kennedy. So can you give me some highlights from yeah, the debate so there that are six actually candidates, took place this um, week? who are running to rep- uh, represent Ward 2 on the D.C. Council. Um, and the six of them came to the debate last night. They did. Uh, the organizers of the debate did invite Jack Evans to attend, um, but he was absent from the debate. And um, all of the ANC commi- or all of the all of the candidates who were running uh, uh, for a council and were at the all of the candidates at the debate um, are kind of running on platforms uh, to restore trust um, in Ward Two. Jack Evans is the center of. Um, several ethics investigations, um, just kind of looking into how he used his position on the council to solicit business for his private law firm um, or his private consulting firm. And so each each of the candidates kind of nodded to that. A lot of the candidates are looking at um, how to improve sustainable transportation um, in the ward. So kind of looking at um, 
increasing bike lanes, uh, dedicated bus lanes, how to make transportation more efficient for people. Well, thank you so much for talking to us this week, Leah. Yeah. Thanks, Merida. I'm here with our culture editor, Sydney Lee, to talk about some of the familiar faces that you might be seeing in your social media feeds. Sydney, I know that you and your reporters sat down with some different social media influencers this week, so can you tell us what you found out? So, some of the influencers that go to GW will obviously use Instagram, and one of them that we talked to is Ethan Somers, and he is a big advocate for a lot of different political activist movements. One of the main things that he advocates for is March for Our Lives, so he's very involved in that. And What is that organization? So, March for Our Lives is a ending gun violence movement, and it started right after the Parkland shooting a few years ago, so ever since then he's been super active in that organization. So, are there any other people on Instagram that are influencers? Yeah, so a familiar Instagram handle you might know is GW Thrift, and that is run by Jay Shu, and he is a junior here, and he posts about fashion, and he sells clothes that he thrifted himself to the community. And when you talk to him, because he started GW Thrift like a while ago, how has his experience been on the platform and kind of growing this brand? It's definitely grown so much since he started it. Now he does pop-up flea markets in Kogan Plaza and University Yard. So he's getting out there and engaging in person as well as online. And I know you talked to another influencer that's really active, more posting blogs and on the internet. Can you tell us more about her? Yeah, so senior Natalie Gessel is a blogger and she has moved her blog from fashion to focusing more on the LGBTQ community. So she loves to write about anything gender related and talk about queerness on her platform. How long has she been on the platform? So she's been using things like Tumblr and other blogs for many years, but she more recently started doing the content she does now in the past year. Thanks for talking to us today, Sydney. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Fulvag, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. And a special thanks this week to Katrin Schulteis and Leah DeGroat for joining us.